Let's pray together, and uh, I loved praying that way, so let's pray that way again. Embracing God, we thank you that you always have more light, more love, and more embrace to give to each one of us through your holy word. And so we pray now for a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit. Make us open and receptive to you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. This Advent, we are remembering again the astonishing story of how God came to be with us, came to save and to heal us in a way that almost no one ever expected or ever could have imagined. Jesus, the child of an engaged but not yet married mother, born in a remote, stable village. And so at his birth, many people turned away from him, or turned him away. And during his life, many people walk right by him. Think about that. We always say, I would have loved to have been there. But when people were there, many people walked right by him. I'm reminded of a story from a dozen years ago. One morning, Joshua Bell, one of the world's premier violinists, takes his $3.5 million Stradivarius violin and wearing jeans and t-shirt and a ball cap, goes down into the subway station in Washington, D.C., and if you lived in D.C. ever, it's L'Enfant Plaza. And during the next 45 minutes, he plays his violin and 1,097 people walk by. 1,097 people. There were reporters further away counting. Many of the people actually walk or pass just three feet away from him. One little boy tries to get his mother to stop, but she pulls him away. You see, everybody, for the most part, are so preoccupied that nobody sees him or hears him. Only seven people out of 1,097 actually stop for more than a minute. Nearby, there are people waiting in line for lottery tickets, and they don't even turn to listen. But at the end of the subway concert, after 45 minutes of this, there is one woman who actually sees him and hears him and recognizes him. And if you saw the video that I sent you, you saw this. She's standing just a few feet away from Joshua Bell, the premier violinist, and she has the best seat in the house. 
This wonderful little experiment was meant to test whether people can actually imagine beauty being present in a very common place, like a subway station, or during an unexpected time, like rush hour, and apparently very few can. But for me, it's like a parable of our, our lives today, is it not? Distracted and multitasking as we are, busy with being busy? Are we often failing to notice the music of God in our everyday lives? Failing to see the God who is always coming to us? Failing to imagine the limitless embrace of God? Friends, Advent is not only just about remembering how God came to us in Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago, and it is, but it is also about expanding our imagination so that we do not miss Christ's coming to us right here today in our own lives, where each of us has the best seat in the house. In our gospel reading today, Luke very intentionally begins by mentioning all the very important people that Janice read for us just now who seem to be in charge of the world. The emperor, the governors, the rulers, and the high priests of the land. But the word of God comes to none of them. Did you notice that? It seems that they have no capacity to receive it. Instead, the word of God comes to John, the miracle child of Elizabeth and Zechariah. And it comes to him not in the temple, not in the centers of power in Jerusalem or Rome, but way, way, way out in the wilderness. The wilderness is where we discover our inability to control every event in our lives, though we try. It's where we discover our deep vulnerability. It's our school of poverty of spirit. It's the place where we are most open to repent and to turn from our old sinful and unjust ways, most open to change. And friends, don't we find ourselves most definitely in a wilderness time right here, right now? A time of rising oceans and political discord and endless pandemic. I didn't take Greek in seminary, but I'm getting an education in Greek letters through this pandemic these days. Alpha and beta and then came delta and a little 
much longer Omicron. And in the midst of this, we're all contemplating existential realities that we've never contemplated before. The very future of our planet, the future of our nation, the future of the church, and the future of our children and grandchildren. In our walks and talks together these days, many of you are sharing with me stories about sleepless nights, strange dreams. Anybody having strange dreams? A baseline of anxiety, fragility, or depression. A feeling that basic life tasks that used to be really easy suddenly feel really, really difficult. And my response to all of this on our walks, you and me both. You and me both. But the good news of our faith, according to the theologian Sarah Batchelard, is that if we are willing to inhabit the wilderness, it can become for us a fresh, a crucible for fresh listening, fresh receiving, and fresh imagining. It's in our broken times, our vulnerability, that we are most accessible to God. So friends, this Advent season, we are remembering how God came to our world in Jesus Christ in a way that no one ever imagined. The child of an unwed mother, born in a village stable, and into a family that would soon become refugees in Egypt. God drew near to us in ways that just about everyone found disruptive, surprising, and strange. And I believe Christ still does today. And this Advent, let us not be like those harried subway commuters rushing right by sightless among miracles. But instead, let us keep watch for the continuous coming of Christ into our lives. It's easy to assume that John the Baptist's call for us to prepare the way just means doing more and adding more into our already busy holiday schedules. But what if preparation this season means doing less? Slowing down to the speed of love. Godspeed. Godspeed. Looking for Christ in every situation, in every place, and in every person we meet this week. Realizing that the best seat in the house 
is our own life. Our own life. Perhaps we might light a candle each day to connect with our longing for the light of Christ. Maybe we might take sacred pauses throughout the day to say thank you. Whenever we experience beauty or kindness or connection. And maybe we might mark these times by placing our hand over our heart, or perhaps bowing imperceptibly. Brain science shows us that this intentional noticing and focusing on what is good for just 15 seconds can actually make an imprint on our neurons. 15 seconds. The cry of the church across the centuries is, Come, Lord Jesus, come. And the witness of the saints and the mystics is that the risen Christ is always coming into our lives in new and unexpected ways. And for those who have eyes to see, Christ's final return at the end of history will not be just his second coming. It will be his billionth coming. Or maybe his trillionth. And just yesterday in my own life, I had a profound experience of Christ's presence that brought me deep release and healing. And I hope your experience of Christ is coming this week for you. Let's now be still for a moment and enter into a time of silence. Dear God, this week, how are you inviting us to prepare for your coming into our lives? How silently, how silently, the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of the heavens. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. Amen.